what a great start to our morning. Now, they might call it Super Sunday out in the world, but it's super duper, super natural in here. It's the best possible place you can be on Sunday, right here in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful that I'm here. We have some friends with us here this morning, too, uh, from the mission that we support over in Kenya, Basket of Hope, uh, our Friends, uh, Bob and Michelle Reed are here with us this morning. We're, there they are back. They're sitting with Brother Barry Allen. Welcome. We're glad you're here. They do a great work over in Kenya. If you remember when Bob was here on one of our Wednesday nights in our mission, uh, in our mission month, he was the guy that talked about the baptistry they built over there in Kenya. And you might think, well, what's the big deal? They put in a, a baptistry. But then he showed us you know, the rivers full of crocodiles and uh, the pastors who would have the nerve to go in there and baptize. And uh, if you've seen Bob, he's a formidable guy. But even he said, I'm not going in there to baptize. Uh, he was glad they built that baptistry. So they do a great work over there. He's a children's pastor, and he's here with his wife, uh, Michelle, today. And we're glad that they're visiting with us. Uh, it's, it's a great, uh, great, great morning. And I want to say thank you, too, to all of you last week who responded after I talked about the project that we're going to undertake here at the church, what we've called the Great Hall Project. I said, we probably need over 100 people. And last I heard, I think 150 people have responded. So thank you. That's excellent. And... I know perhaps I undersold it, too, a little bit. I know I said somewhere around 700-plus uh, lineal feet of wall. It's actually 901 lineal feet of wall space. 901. Yeah, we got an engineer on the job. That's right. Uh, so the walls are 9 feet tall. We know it's going to be 23.8 uh, gallons per coat. Uh, and it's going to be some fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to working side by side with some of you. Uh, work is actually going to begin next Saturday, and I think there will be some preliminaries even before then. If your name is on one of the lists, you will be definitely getting uh, contacted. If you still want to participate, Robin Carley will be in the foyer this morning on your way out, and you can still participate. I would love to be able to spatter a little paint on you or something like that. It's, uh, it's a great thing. And you know what? There was some folks who responded to financially. And I just want to say thank you, too, for supporting that. And if you mark any of your giving, uh, just the Great Hall Project or the Great Hall, we'll know where to, to direct it. And if we have any excess, we're going to keep it towards our buildings here. Uh, so, again, my thanks to all of you. Well, today, as has been mentioned, it's... Super Bowl Sunday, and we had some fun with it. We had some fun at the open of the service. You know, we had a couple of teams here, and uh, it's hard to ignore it, right? It's hard to ignore this day, considering over 110 million people are going to tune into this football game. That's, it. That's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, I, I think each one of those people are probably a good number of them. I, I know all of them won't be rooting for a particular team. They're going for uh, some food at somebody's house. I get that. 
But most will be rooting for a team. They're going to pick one side or another, and they want their team to win. That's what it's about. Everyone wants their team to be the winner, right? And there's no doubt that each team is going into today's contest with this winning mentality, the winning attitude. They have coaches that reinforce that, don't they? And the coach persuades and, and motivates each uh, respective team that, hey, we are winners. I mean, picture the pep talk before the game. What is the coach saying to his team to get them into that winning mode? And maybe it's a, a practice that they had during this week, the championship week, and they're in the locker room, and the coach is giving them a speech. Winning, right? That's the goal. And I've got an example of a locker room speech that I want to share with you this morning. So before we go any further, let's see this coach give a speech in his locker room. Ten bucks for the person who can tell me he won the state championship a decade ago. Walker Jennings. No. North Metro. Stop guessing. You know it or you don't. How about five years ago? Bristland. That was three years ago. You can't remember, can you? Leads me to ask a couple of questions. What's the purpose of this team? To win ball games. Then what? We get a trophy and people talk about us. Maybe, for a while. Then what? I don't know. Get a scholarship, play for college, and uh, coach Little League. <laughs> what are you getting at, Grant? You think we're just wasting our time? If our main goal is to win football games, then yes. You don't want us to win games? No. Not if that's our main goal. Winning football games is too small a thing to live for. And I love football as much as anybody. But even championship trophies will one day collect dust and be forgotten. It's just that so far all this has been about us. How we can look good. How we can get the glory. The more I read this book, the more I realize life's not about us. We're not here just to get glory, make money, and die. The Bible says that God put us here for him, to honor him. Jesus said the most important thing you could do with your life is to love God with everything you are and love others as yourself. So if we win every game and we miss that, we've done nothing. Football then means nothing. So I'm here to present you a new team philosophy. I think that football is just one of the tools we use to honor God. So you think God does care about football? I think he cares about your faith. He cares about where your heart is. And if you can live your faith out on the football field, then yes, God cares about football because he cares about you. He sent his son Jesus to die for us so we could live for him. That's why we're here. But see, it's not just on the football field. We've got to honor him in our relationships, in our respect for authority, in the classroom, and when you're at home alone surfing the internet. I want God to bless his team so much people talk about what he did. But it means we got to give him our best in every area. And if we win, we praise him. And if we lose, we praise him. Either way, we honor him with our actions and our attitudes. 
So I'm asking you, what are you living for? I've resolved to give God everything I've got. Then I'll leave the results up to him. I want to know if you'll join me. So for this coach, winning, whether his team won or not, that wasn't the question. Winning, that wasn't his ultimate goal. Instead, his question was, what are you living for? And if you can answer that question, then you know, then you know right in your heart what your goal is. If you can say that you are living for the greatest head coach ever, Jesus Christ, the head over every power and the head over every authority who has supremacy over all things, the things on earth, the things in heaven, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and by him and for him, and he is the head of the body, the head of the church, and he has no rival, he has no equal. And if we're living for him, then we're on the winning side. Then we're victorious. Then we win. Is he your champion? Is Jesus your champion? We have a champion. We have a champion in Jesus. He is the victor. And you know, he proclaimed victory before it ever took place. Have you ever seen an athlete who likes to talk about himself or herself? I mean, I think we've seen some, maybe, uh, I don't know, they say talk smack or uh, brag a little bit about how they're going to win. You know the baseball player who goes out there and, and he points his bat out there? You know, he's going to hit the home run, right? And then whoosh, he whiffs and strikes out. You know the boxer, the boxer who talks all the talk before the fight, and it's 30 seconds into the first round, and pow, he's on, the, he's on the, the canvas. He's knocked out. The quarterback who guarantees a win, and then all afternoon he's getting sacked and intercepted. The only one, the only one who can declare victory before it ever happened, that's Jesus. And he guaranteed it, and he's my champion. His name is Jesus. And you know what? The, the prophets of the Old Testament declared it. They proclaimed it. And I want to give you one of the examples where Jesus did just that. And it's the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah saw him. Isaiah saw Jesus, and he recorded it. In Isaiah chapter 63, I want to read to you verses 1 through 4 where, where Jesus is depicted by the prophet. It reads like this, Who is coming from Edom, from Basra, with his garments stained crimson? Who is this, robed in splendor, striding forward in the greatness of his strength? It is I, proclaiming victory, mighty to save. Why are your garments red like those of one treading the winepress? I have trotted the winepress alone. From the nations, no one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and trod them down in my wrath. Their blood spattered my garments, and I, 
I stained all my clothing. It was for me the day of vengeance, the year for me to redeem had come. It's pretty powerful words of the prophet Isaiah. He saw Jesus coming, and here Jesus Christ is presented as the victor, striding confidently forward, robed in splendor. The best-looking uniform of your favorite team is nothing compared to the splendorous robe of Jesus Christ. And as Isaiah saw him in all of his splendor, he saw, he saw his robe wasn't clean. It was stained. It was stained crimson. And what is this? What is this, the prophet asked? What is this crimson? It's the stains of battle, comes the explanation, where Jesus Christ was the victor. Jesus coming forth out of Edom, out of the capital city of Basra, after trampling the enemy as grapes are crushed in a wine press. He had conquered and crushed the enemy. And he was stained with the blood of the battle. And for him, he says, it's a day of vengeance, but also it's a year of redemption which had come for his people. These, these are hard verses in the Old Testament. We read of anger and we read of wrath. It's a hard prophecy against this nation called Edom. But they were the enemy of God. Esau, Jacob's brother Esau, was the father of the people of Edom. Esau, who despised his birthright, birthright Esau who was godless and his repentance was insincere and Esau's people became the nation of Edom and they kept his legacy of godlessness Edom had refused passage to God's people through their land after the people of God had traversed across the Red Sea out of bondage from Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they needed to get through to a mountain and the people of Edom said, no, you can't pass through. And if you try, we're going to raise our swords to you, and we're going to take you down. Edom used marauding tactics to attack the people of Israel, and they would retreat and then go hide in their caves. Is Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Obadiah, Malachi, these are all Old Testament prophets, and they all brought words of judgment against this nation called Edom. Edom was the perennial enemy of Israel, constantly rising up and getting knocked down again, only to get back up and come after them once more. But then Christ Jesus. Jesus in Isaiah 63 is pictured as the ultimate and the final conqueror. And there's a progression here in the book of Isaiah. There's a progression from Isaiah 61 to Isaiah 62 to Isaiah 63. And it's, it's a, pro, project, uh, a, a progression that pictures really beautifully the ministry and the work of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 61, these are great verses that open Isaiah 61, and Jesus quoted them. We read in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4 where Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach glad tidings unto the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then it mentions a day of vengeance, but it goes on to say, Jesus is the one who brings comfort 
He comforts all who mourn. He gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is the picture that we receive in Isaiah 61. It's a picture of Jesus loving and Jesus' compassion. And then in Isaiah 62, there's this picture of Christ that, that advances from the humble servant to the royal king. Isaiah 62 presents this image of a monarch with a crown in his hand and a crown that he's going to put upon his head. It speaks of this crown or this diadem. And it's a crown that's made up of his people. And the king gladly displays his crown to the nations. And he gladly displays his crown to all the kings of the world saying, these are my people. And he delights in them as a bridegroom delights in his bride. And the king says, your savior has come. Now prepare the way. And it says, prepare the way for the people. Build up the highway. Remove the stones. And then at the close of Isaiah 62, it says, raise the banner for the nations. They are all welcome. They're all welcome. Jesus offers hope to the nations. He offers hope to all people to become the people, the children of God. And then it closes saying these people will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. So from humble servant to regal king, and then in Isaiah 63, and I want to spend a little bit more time on Isaiah 63. Here we are presented the champion the victor, this warrior who is the captain of the army and he comes forth victorious from the time of the, the final prophet Malachi to the birth of Jesus Christ, the nation of Edom had been overthrown. They had been overthrown uh, by several groups and then finally the Nabataeans came in and they totally took over. And when Jesus humbly entered this world, when he came uh, born a babe, and he was put in that manger. The Edomites had been wiped out, and there was some remnant of them just uh, scattered across the land. And then as Christ Jesus, the infant, the babe, was birthed, there was these important luminaries that came from the east, from distant lands, to come and proclaim Jesus Christ as king. Now that upset a king, didn't it? That's the Christmas story where, where the wise men from the east come. And a king named Herod, Herod the Great, was upset. Herod the Great was one of the few remaining Edomites. And like his ancestors, he was godless. He had converted to Ju Judaism. It seriously was just for convenience sake. And then through political process, a little bit of corruption, Herod the Great became king of the Jews. And Herod tried to kill Jesus, but he failed. And Roman history tells us that he died an excruciatingly painful death from a terrible disease. And then his son, Herod Antipas, took over. He was in power when Jesus was falsely accused and he was brought to trial before Pilate. And Pilate says, I'm sending you to Herod. It was this Herod Antipas, son of Herod the Great. And that Herod and his guards, they mocked Jesus. And they put a, 
they put a robe on him as, as Pilate's men had put a purple robe on Jesus. So too Herod's men put this, this robe on uh, Jesus and they mocked him. And then they sent him back to Pilate where he was ultimately executed by crucifixion. And then Herod Antipas was exiled and he died because his nephew Herod Agrippa came, through, uh, came to power through uh, corrupt means, had his uh, uncle sent off, and it was Agrippa. You read about in Acts 12, he persecuted the apostle Peter, and God struck him down. And you read in, in Acts 12 where this Herod was struck down and he was eaten by worms. His son Agrippa II, the last of this Herodian dynasty, the final remnant here of these Edomites, he was the Herod who gave a hearing to Paul the apostle. And as Christianity blossomed in the first century and and Paul and the others made their way into uh, Europe, and the gospel spread, Edomites faded from the scene, no longer to be mentioned in history, faded and gone. Isaiah proved to be a right prophet. Jesus was victorious. Isaiah saw him coming, and he boldly proclaimed, Jesus boldly proclaimed victory, and it was accomplished. But he also said, I'm mighty to save, didn't he? He came proclaiming victory, mighty to save. So how did that work out for the Jews? Edom hadn't been too much of a force, even during the time of the prophets. They were constantly being set down. But Jerusalem was also destroyed soon after the ministry of Jesus Christ. It was not saved. So what does it mean? What does it mean, this, I come victorious, mighty to save? The nation had survived in the natural. They had survived in the natural until the time of Christ. Soon after they were gone, if Jesus was mighty to save, what happened? Well, something happened that was beyond the natural. Christ accomplished something not for not for a temporary time period here on earth, not for some temporary time here in the natural. Christ Jesus accomplished something for eternity in the supernatural. If this is Super Sunday, we can call it Supernatural Sunday and see Jesus Christ as the head. Jesus, as seen by Isaiah, boldly stepping out of Edom with this blood on his garment. He gives a, a spiritual picture to us. Edom here, it's a picture of the world like the Herods who had rejected Jesus and tried to kill him and mocked him and persecuted his followers. That's the world. But Jesus, Jesus who came as the humble servant, and then he is this regal reigning king, and he became the triumphant champion over those who rejected him. He became the triumphant winner and victorious over the greatest enemy, when we talk about a contest today, this thing called the Super Bowl, two adversaries, and they each desire to be victorious. Who won 10 years ago? It's like the question that that coach asked in the video. Who was a champion 10 years ago? Who was a champion five years ago? I don't know. I'll tell you what, I definitely don't know. And you know what? It doesn't really matter. Not too many people really care. Maybe there's some people out there with rings that are collecting dust. 
but it's nothing. It is nothing of lasting value. No one is really talking about it. And that's the point that Coach was making in the video. But there was a victory. There was a victory that was worth, that is worth remembering. And it is worth talking about. And that victory came some 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ conquered, destroying the one who has the power of death, and that is the devil. Jesus resolutely set his face, set his face like a flint to go into Jerusalem. You read that in Luke chapter 9, and he purposed to go into that city knowing full well what he would face, the clash of life and death. And before he sat down to eat, his final meal for the very last time with his friends, Jesus said this. He said this in John chapter 12. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The world didn't get it. His closest companions, they were confused. They didn't really understand what it meant. And it seems even the angels and the demons didn't have it clear. They were just as confused. And they didn't understand that by death, that by being lifted up, being lifted up on the cross, this is what Jesus was talking about. He was going to beat the prince of this world, the devil. He was going to defeat death. By dying, he was going to win life, eternal life, and he just didn't get it. He was going to win, and he wasn't going to win just for himself, was he? No, he was going to win for every single person who would submit themselves to his kingship, for any that would respond to his compassion, for all that would receive his forgiveness. You know, if we're spared to see another day on this earth, that's one form of being saved. But it's a temporary salvation to be saved in this shell here, but to be spared from eternal death, to be spared and saved from eternal death, to see eternal life. Now, I'll tell you what, that's mighty to save. That is something no one else can do but our mighty Savior. We read about this in a book of Hebrews chapter 2 where the writer says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus Christ too, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. In other words, Jesus Christ took on humanity. He became human, and he died a human death. And by dying, he paid a price for sin. And we read about this anger. We read about this wrath. It's hard. It's hard to read that. People say, oh, it's all, all blood there. You have a hard religion. Why? It was because of sin. It was because of sin. And by dying, Jesus paid a price for sin. You know, these people of Edom, they represent sin. In a larger sense, it's the sin of all. 
Sin causes death. It always has. It always will. Sin leads to death. That was what Adam was told in the garden. Don't do this or you will die. Sin has this great consequence. And in God's economy, death was required to alleviate sin. We might not understand it. We might not like it. But that's the truth. Death was required to alleviate sin. The life of an animal was used as a temporary mechanism and means to deal with sin. Jesus Christ gave his life as the permanent, the final measure to alleviate this debt sin required. And in doing that, he conquered death and hell and the grave, and he opened up a way for all to gain eternal life, mighty to save. How mighty is that? It's beyond anything we can comprehend. Eternal life. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear hell. We don't have to fear the grave because of what Christ Jesus has done, that supernatural power to save. So this morning I ask you, what are you living for? What are you living for? Are you in the world? Are you in Edom? Are you rejecting Jesus Christ and what he accomplished? I want to read to you one final scripture. And it's a scripture about Edom. It's a scripture about this, this nation that represented sin. And it says in Isaiah 34, another prophecy of, about Edom, Isaiah 34, verses 8 to 10, it says, For the Lord has a day of vengeance. It's mentioned again, this day of vengeance, and a year of retribution to uphold Zion's cause. Edom's streams will be turned into pitch, her dust into burning sulfur. Her land will become blazing pitch. It will not be quenched day or night. Its smoke will rise forever. From generation to generation, it will lie desolate. No one will ever pass through it again. Now that's the destiny. That's the destiny of those in Edom. That's the destiny of those in the world who reject Jesus and mock Jesus. Blazing tar that will not be quenched. Now that's something to think about. Do you got the winner? Do you got the champion who can save you from that? It's the destiny of the world, of those who reject Jesus. If you're in the world today, if you're part of Edom, you need to be saved. You need to be saved from that, and you can be saved. Jesus proclaimed victory, and he won victory for any and all who would receive it. He offers you compassion, and he offers you love that never fails, kindness and forgiveness. He'll take you. He'll take you just as you are. He'll take you today if you come to him with a sincere heart. If you come to him and offer yourself and say, I need that, I need that forgiveness. He's mighty to save. What are you living for today? Can you answer the question with an absolute certainty? Are you living for the world? Are you living for this metaphorical Edom? You got a chance this morning to come out of that. You have a chance to come out. Now we're going to have our time of uh, communion in a few minutes. But before we do that, I just want to ask anyone here, before we sit down at the table of the Lord, are you in that burning place? Is that going to be your destiny? It's eternal. 
I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. I was going to ask our team if they would sing for us. Think about these words. Think about what Isaiah was doing there. Picturing Jesus Christ step out of, step out of Edom victorious. Victorious over sin. The winner of all. The winner of all time. The destiny for Edom. Don't even want to think about it. Those are those are some tough words to read. Dust and burning sulfur, blazing pitch, not to be quenched day or night, smoke rising forever. Where's your heart today? What are you living for? Let's just stand to our feet and sing this song, I'll offer up a, some worship and praise to our Lord. And you know, if you need this, I want to invite you to step out of your seat. I mean, it doesn't need to be embarrassing. It's not anything that you should be self-conscious about. It actually will be something we'll celebrate. We will celebrate you this morning if you need this. Because it'll mean the difference between life and death. Eternity. This is for eternity. Let's sing.
my soul, we worship you, Lord, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you that you conquered the grave. You sent your son, our champion, our winner, our God and our King, Jesus Christ. God, if there's anyone in this room that needs, that needs that, they need you, Lord. Lord, if they're admitting it even now in their own heart, I pray, God, you would receive them. Receive sincere hearts this morning, Lord, as we prepare ourselves to sit down at the table with you, God. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your salvation, that you're mighty to save us all. We thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. Amen. You may be seated as you prepare to receive the bread and the cup this morning. Our elders and our deacons will be coming. And I just want to let you know that our communion table is open to all who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When you receive the bread, please hold it. We want to bless it together. We want to eat together. And the same with the cup. We want to take some time to look at our own hearts before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And that's what we're advised by the Word of God. We're advised by the Apostle Paul. He said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So this is some important words. To discern rightly the body of Christ he did a marvelous thing for us he gave his life that we could be saved eternally from death and hell and the grave he conquered the grave now that ought to be something that we honor and that we respect and that we think about these words whoever eats and eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. I know I don't want to do that. I want to respect and honor my champion. So as you receive this bread this morning, I want us all just to take some time in our own hearts and to really examine how have we been doing things? Really, we can all ask ourselves that question, what are we living for? Because we can all get a little distracted from time to time. We can all get taken down paths of 
distraction, that take our time, that lead our focus away from living our lives committed to Jesus Christ. And as you receive this bread this morning, take a few minutes to to do just that. Between you and God, this is a great, great grace that God has given you. He's offered you the opportunity to examine yourself. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. You can take a look at yourself and keep yourself from being judged internally. It's a fabulous grace. Take advantage of it this morning. Hold this bread and look inside. opportunity to look inside our own hearts as we examine ourselves and come clean with you God wash us cleanse us and we thank you for this opportunity to be honest with you admit our shortcomings judge ourselves rightly discern the body of Christ thank you for it God thank you for it you are wonderful to have given your son something we needed you took care of this problem called sin and yet we still struggle and from time to time we fall short but God we thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive us cleanse us keep us thank you God thank you and now Father as we hold this bread high say thank you for Christ. Thank you for what he won on that cross, that he defeated our enemy, that he took away the penalty for sin for all of us who 
call him Lord and Savior. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We remember that today, and we ask you to bless this bread unto us as we receive it gladly and joyfully. In that name above all names, Jesus.
bless it. it unto us who receive it, Lord, that it would be life to us, that it would bring blessing, that we would be reminded of the covenant that he made for us in the giving of his life, in the shedding of his blood. Thank you, God, that those blood stains of sin have been washed clean by the blood of Christ. Thank you that though our sin may be as scarlet, it is white as snow because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for that, God. We receive it today. We are just glad and overjoyed for all that he has done for us. And we receive this cup with that overflowing joy in his name, Jesus. Amen. Let's drink together. of Christ, that blood of Christ was the cleansing blood. It was the blood that washes away sin. When people, when people talk about the Christian religion being bloody, well, Jesus accomplished something with his blood and the removal of all this angst and issue and the need for animal blood and the issue for all that uh, anger and wrath that's presented in the Old Testament. Come to him. He's a God of compassion that everyone needs. Been stirred by the message this morning. It's no other name but the name of Jesus, right? it's customary that on our communion Sundays we have taken a dollar to bless those who are in some difficult times in life and it's our opportunity to be able to bless them so I would ask if you would take out a dollar and just send it to the end of the aisle the ushers are going to be passing by with the plate to collect that and while they're doing that I just want to bring a few updates to you Keep in your heart and your mind as you're going through the week of some things in particular coming up. First of all, we have two great classes that are going to be coming up beginning Wednesday the 8th, which is this Wednesday. First is our catechism class. It's not too late to register for that, so we encourage you to do that. You can do that by picking up a brochure in the hallway. You can even take it to the class with you or even... Um, get it to the front office. Also, we have Financial Peace starting this Wednesday, but you need to sign up online for that class. That uh, is in your bulletin. You can get that email address that you need to sign up with. Also, 
uh, Parkway Christian School is having their open house next Sunday from 2 to 4. It's a great opportunity to meet the teachers, tour the school, learn a little bit more. If you have uh, a family member or some of yourself maybe are, in, are uh, interested in having your kids receive a Christian education, my kids have gone all the way through the school, and I can testify that they are doing great things at Parkway Christian School. As a matter of fact, my youngest is about to graduate. I can't believe it. Also, the way our youth group is getting ready to go to uh, a weekend of pursuit down at Church on Fire Ministries in Cincinnati, Ohio. And if you're going to go on that trip uh, on the 17th through the 19th of February, the cost is $110. You can uh, see the group. I actually don't think Jesse is here today because poor Jesse is sick. But Janine Frizee will be there to help you in the lobby if you need to get signed up for that. Also, we want to let you know that there is a new address by which, I don't know if you've known that we've been streaming our services live, and it was on a different website, but now you can go to watchbcc.com. Also, if you go right to our webpage, you'll see it right at the top of the page. If for some reason you're not able to be here or you have a friend who's away from us that can't uh, be at church, but would like to see what's going on here on Sunday mornings and hear the message. There's a, this new address that will help you uh, get to that. Also, you've heard about our great volunteer effort that we're going to be doing. We talked a lot about it last week in particular, where we're going to be renovating what they're calling the Great Hall over here by the dining rooms. All the wallpaper's coming down. We're going to paint. And so we have opportunities, and it's going to start this Saturday on February 11th. And then it'll continue on February 18th. So this is going to be the peeling and painting, uh, prep work, and then painting. And so please uh, see the Carleys after church in the lobby to get signed up for that. And then finally, uh, two things. One, I have to regret announcing one of my employees, uh, Brian, or, uh, Brian Cole, excuse me, uh, had taken another job. And so he had to leave our employee. He's a great man. We bless him. We love him. We left on good terms, but he had a great opportunity to... Um, to further his career. So we've got a little bit of an opening here in his uh, position. So if you would, are someone who has some technical experience and would like to get more involved in our technical ministries, you can talk to Matthew Klug or email him right after the service. Amen? Amen. Won't you stand with me again as we get ready to close and our pastor blesses us. I've got one more one more reminder and an announcement uh, for all of you. On the first of the year, we lost a, a good saint of the church that was Brother Doug Rich. And I just want to let you know his memorial service will be this Friday in our chapel, and it'll be at 11 a.m. So uh, any and all, if you want to uh, honor the life of Doug Rich, that's Lois Rich's husband, uh, that'll be this Friday at 11. You know, Pastor Julie opened the service this morning and she read from uh, the book of Philippians chapter 3. And she said, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we might be like his glorious one. Is your citizenship in heaven? What are you living for? What are you living for this morning? Savior, he can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty.
you, God, for blessing us today. God, we thank you that the contest between death and life has been done, and it has been accomplished, and there is a victor, and he is Jesus, and we thank you for that, God, that he beat death to give us life. Thank you for that this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that by his supernatural power, he brought us life eternal. Oh, it's a fantastic blessing. And as we leave on that note, Lord, let's uh, just encourage all of us today, God, as we've already heard, put people in our paths, Lord, as we go out on the highways and the byways, as we go out today and if we cross paths with people we don't normally see because we're going to sit down in front of some big screen, God, help us to share that eternal light, the life that comes from only one winner, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And raise your hands for the blessing. Lord, I pray over all who are here that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon each one and grant them peace. And may the peace of God that passes all of our understanding keep our hearts and minds and souls through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in his grace and his power this morning.